Hey, this is Jeremy Hunt of Koheleth, and you're listening to my chapter of As the Story Grows. What would you say you do here? Dominate. Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. Dude, my our dog, his name's Rocket. Every time I take him out now lately to, to like pee at the end of the night before we close up the house, the dude goes out onto our back patio and just sits there and scratches his butt for like ten minutes straight before he even like makes his way to the to the yard. I'm like, You're killing me, Smalls. What is what is wrong with you? Nice. My uh my shih tzu's name is Frank and we got him from a rescue. That's and, awesome. Uh, he is just he's a weird he's a weird bird man he's 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 uh he mar- well, he marks so like he's that guy like I want to take him for a walk I want to be a good dog owner but he stops every oh every patch of clover every curb every mailbox he's just like squirt 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 and it's like yep. we're not walking we're just taking four steps and stopping all the time right yeah yeah and it's so funny when you're walking him along the street he doesn't get up into people's grass and take a dump, but he will like, he'll get into position and he'll like jack his butt against the curb. Like, like he kind of like sticks his butt against the concrete curb and makes it as difficult and messy for me to clean up as he can. And I'm like, you're, you're such a little bastard. You do this on purpose. I know you do. And he's so funny. He's just such a weird little duck. I love That's him. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What Welcome back to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. My name's Trav, and I have Jeremy Hunt on the other end of the call. Jeremy, how's it going What's out in California? What's up, man? It's going well. Going well. Can't complain. I'm so happy to have you on. We've talked a couple times, but uh, yeah, man, you're a you're a Bandcamp qualified musician now. So <laughs> let's get you on the show and talk about it, huh? Certified and in the flesh. 
Yeah, man, you're a you're a rock star. <laughs> That's what I'm told. Get your game <laughs> on. Get paid. Ah, uh, Smash Mouth. <laughs> like to smash my own mouth for that reference. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Twitters, yep. and mostly from it all started from uh, the Godfather Seth W with yes, Skull Toaster, and then this metal band camp gift club community has just spun out of control, and this has become like an online thing. Yep, and um, and I don't exactly remember when you and I started talking or for what reason. Do you? Oh gosh, that's a good um. No. Uh, was it the gifs? Was it just? Was it, it just? It may have been as stupid and as awesome as the gifs. Yeah, we are. GIFs. We are known. We are known. I think it's pronounced GIF. I think the it guy is. who made okay. it is. I I'm just, going GIF. I prefer GIF peanut butter, and I like to keep my gifs and my gifs separated. But you respect, know, whatever. Respect. Respect. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going GIF just to confuse the issue. That's fine. But I think. I think you and I. You and I are pretty are pretty savvy when it comes to dropping the perfect GIF, and I think <laughs> I think you and I you and I got into some sort of a pissing just, contest on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> and the great thing about it is that it's really just to make you, ourselves laugh. Like I don't know if anyone else finds it funny in the least. I like forget other people can read Twitter. <laughs> yeah, like if they follow you and or they follow me. Then it yeah everyone else can see it, right? We we act like it's our own private chat room sometimes, and or uh, here's who I feel bad for. I feel I I don't feel bad so much for the people that follow us mm-hmm. because they by this point if they're still following us they know what they're getting in for, into. Right. I I feel bad for guys actually like Seth because I feel like they usually start <laughs> off of like a trivia question. And then we just go at it for like two or three hours over the course of the day. And he gets at copied. Right. Over and, over and over. Yeah. 
So right. Seth, I, I I'll, I'll take this moment to publicly apologize. Uh, Seth, I'll take this moment to publicly tell you to kiss my ass. I'm not sorry about nothing. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- so I think that must be it. I think that had to have been it. And then, did you send me some shirts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So like a maybe a year or two ago, I was going through my closet and just realized. Oh, with the passage of time, I have gained weight and uh, gotten uh, larger in areas that you don't always enjoy to get larger in. And um, you're a big old sexy bear. That's what you're trying that, to say. That's right. That's that's basically it. Six <laughs> three, two hundred and seventy pounds. All all of me. Large. Uh, yeah. 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 Anyway, no yeah. one no one cares. No one cares about that. Again, here we go again, making this our own private <laughs> playground, talking about the T-shirt you sent me. Who cares? Nobody right? cares. I know. And, and it's, did I send you a Stavesacre hoodie? Maybe you sent me a Stavesacre hoodie, nice. and, and and weirdly enough, that was too small. Was it really? Yeah, I put it on. It was like I felt like I was putting on like you know those black sleeves or those white sleeves that basketball players wear. Oh no way! Okay. Yeah, the sleeves were like crazy tight on my forearms because it was like a large or something. I thought. Or... I know you sent me a t-shirt that I could see, and it, it's big on me. And then you sent you know, sent me a hoodie that was small on me. I, I don't know what you're doing out there in California, man. But <laughs> but just uh, mess with your head. Just totally to mess with my yep. head. Tell yep. me a little bit about uh, what you're all about, man. You started you started out east, and you went out west, and now you're coming back east again, or something. Yeah. So um, grew up in the south. Born and ra- well, no, not born. I have to take that back. Born overseas. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was born in Germany at a, on an army base. My dad is a uh, was. He hasn't been in the military for a long time, but yeah, he was in the army at the time, and so I was born over in uh, at the time what was West Germany. Okay. Um, moved around a little bit uh, from there. And then ended up in, so he resigned from the army in like 84, I was born in 79, mm-hmm. so 79 to like 84, um, and then we moved to South Carolina where he got hired by Michelin, the tire company. So I grew up in South Carolina for like 13 years, then moved overseas to France, uh, that time for a Michelin assignment. I uh, lived there for two and a half years and then moved back to the south to North Carolina to go to college and basically stayed in North Carolina. Oh, gosh, for about 15 years before we moved out here to California uh, about three three summers ago, three years ago. You so. lived in France for two years as an American in your yeah. late teens? Yeah. Oh, brother. It, How'd that it go? Was, it was crazy, dude. Okay, so it was a life-changing experience. Um in a lot of good ways, but I hated it when we first moved over there. Like, so I was 17, um, and I was, you know, t- this this will probably give the whole game away. Like, as soon as you hear this, this probably explain okay. 90, 90% of who I am. I was homeschooled for most of my childhood. Oh, God. So, anyway, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Show's over. Ugh, you're one of those. You will never be one of us. Yep. No, I'm kidding. So, uh, conservative Southern upbringing, um, and and to my parents' credit, like growing up in South Carolina, South Carolina, I don't okay, I don't know how they've been over the past like maybe 10, 15 years, but when I was a kid in the eighties, like South Carolina was always near the bottom of the heap when it came to like the public school or just the education system was okay. always ranked like 
47th, 48th, 49th in the country. Wow. So to my parents' credit, I mean, it wasn't all just like, we need to keep you sheltered. Like they genuinely were concerned about like the type of um, education me and my sister would be getting. Okay. So, so jumping back and forth in time a little bit. So fast forward to France, we move over there. uh, And, Right before we had moved over, I had started, like I had gotten my license. I was working a couple of part-time jobs. I was taking a class at a community college for high school credit. Um, so just all these different things. You know, when you're when you're a teenager and all the finally things start to sort of open up and you're like, oh, cool, freedom. Um, I can <laughs> do stuff now. Right. Uh, we moved to France and it was like, yeah, it was it was just horrific. Like I didn't know anybody. You know, the only people over there are the expatriate community, other, you know, kids who've gotten shipped over with their parents for, you know, work reasons. Um, I went to school in a French, in an international school that took, that was situated inside a French school. So, yeah, the first six months there were, were rough, like really, really rough. I wrestled with like all kinds of different like faith questions, like. I don't know if I believe what I've always said I believed anymore. Like, what do I do with myself? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of this was sort of heightened through the lens of a certain amount of teenage angst. But, you know, I mean, I was 17 when we moved over and it was not easy. But um, that's right on time for teenage angst. 17. Yeah. Yep. So mm-hmm. but after about six months, I warmed up to it. And fortunately, just by you know happenstance or or luck or whatever i was able to kind of take myself out of myself up long enough to to kind of gain a certain amount of momentary maturity and be like yo not everybody gets this opportunity like not everybody gets a chance to just get plopped down in a foreign country at this time of at this stage of their life where where i have a certain amount of freedom and a certain amount of lack of responsibility aside from school so you know let's let's dig in and sort of own this and enjoy it as much as we can so i actually Mm -hmm. ended up so i I finished june we moved in the middle uh in the middle of junior high uh sorry junior year of high school finished that up finished up my senior year and then at that point i was actually applying to colleges and there was a real chance that i would have moved away from france back to the states without my family because my dad was on like a three to five year assignment uh, okay. and so we were looking at those sort of considerations and i started getting you know acceptance letters and stuff back from schools can uh, i ask you real quick what yeah. were you uh what were you going to school for what were you trying to go to school for um at that point i didn't really know it was a combination okay. of I mean, I didn't figure out what my major, so I ended up get, being an English major, um, but I didn't decide on that until like the end of my sophomore year in college. Like it took me a while to kind of narrow in and figure out and hell, I mean, it's not like English is really narrowing anything in. I mean, it's such a wide open field. It could have been anything. Uh-huh. Um, okay. But so what I was doing though, when I was applying to schools was I was, I was basing it on geography. So I was okay. like, okay, if I'm moving away from my family, there was like an American university in Paris, so I could go there. Or I looked at a small school in Greenville, South Carolina called Furman. And I looked at a small school in uh, North Carolina, the Charlotte area called Davidson. Mm-hmm. And then I applied to actually Oklahoma University 
because of all of my dad's extended family in Oklahoma. So the thought being either, okay, I'll go back to my community more or less where I kind of grew up, or I can go back to uh, like Oklahoma and be close to extended family. Okay. So, but during that process, um, I found out that Oklahoma OU had an exchange program with the university in the town where we were living in France. Really? Yeah. So I got accepted to OU and to Davidson and my parents really wanted me to go to Davidson. So they, they sort of won out on that argument, but I got a full ride at OU. So what I did was I basically worked the system and said to OU, I'm already here. Can I go as an OU student to the university here? I deferred from basically deferred from Davidson for a year, got college credit at the French university through OU and then transferred those credits to Davidson when I moved home the next year. So <laughs> that was confusing to even listen to. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. That's okay. Yeah. So, uh, so is this, yeah. is any of this formative to what turned you into the musician you are today? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. that, that was the time frame where I really started expanding my musical palette. So I, I grew up taking like, classical piano lessons for like nine years that was my first instrument Mm -hmm. moved overseas couldn't take the piano with us i started getting bored so i was like i need to do something because i miss the music and that's when i picked up my first guitar so i bought like a used takamine guitar from or takamine i don't know how you say the name uh uh from a you know french music instrument store Mm-hmm. Picked it up and just started teaching myself how to play based on like, you know, chord sheets and tabs and all that sort of stuff. Um, and up until that point, I'd grown up with like classical music, film scores, and essentially oldies, like classic rock. So it's interesting. Like, it kind of gets into sort of like the conservative, like my, my folks got saved, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, after I was born. So my dad had grown up with sort of that culture um, of like Beatles, Floyd, Pink Floyd, all that sort of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I think through the process of like coming into the church and feeling like he had to do away with a lot of stuff, I think he ended up actually getting rid of a lot of that stuff. So it kind of came back into circulation as I got older. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was an interesting discovery process for me. Like just hearing all that stuff for the first time and i mean like i remember the first time and this is not going to be revelatory for anybody i'm sure everybody has a similar story but i remember like the first time having grown up with like classical and orchestral music and film scores and then shifting slowly into rock and roll the first time i heard like strawberry fields forever my mind was just and i was like 13 or 14 maybe at the time my mind was just blown i was like wait you can put orchestral like instrument arrangements with like rock and roll like what what yeah so um so jumping back to france that was the first time i really started listening to actually current music which is kind of funny to say because i grew up in the 80s but missed most of the music of the 80s dude it's like listening to myself are you saying oh that's so fun well good i'm glad i'm not the only one um But when we moved, so that year, 97, was the year that, like, the Verve's Urban Hymns came out, Oasis's Be Here Now came out, and U2's Pop came out. Wow. And I'm, like, literally right across the the channel from the country where all of this is emanating. And 
you know, like one of the only stations that we got in France that was, you know, had anything with English on it was, you know, like MTV Europe. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. So, you know, I'm like seeing all these music videos constantly. I'm starting to listen to some of this stuff. And I was already like a fan of sort of Brit rock anyway because of the early stuff, you know, Beatles right, and whatnot. Right. But then I had a friend at this French school who was in like this crazy, weird, sort of like noisy punk band. I didn't understand any of it when I saw him play, but it intrigued me. The little record store we had in town, like I'd go through and look for whatever I could recognize. That was my first exposure, like Tooth and Nail. They had a, like a little sampler, like one of the very first early Tooth and Nail samplers and had like Sal Paradise and like Roadside Monument, I think was on it. And Star- was, it helpless among- was it Helpless Among Friends? Um, I don't remember what it was called. It, the artwork, it was like a brown and like black and yellow sort of cover. Like it, it looked ugly as hell, but it caught my <laughs> caught my eye for whatever reason. I don't remember. Okay. Um, Starflyer Fifty Nine was on it. Like all these early Tooth and Nail bands, and I picked that up. And again, it was the sort of thing where I put it on, and I was like, I don't understand this, but I want to. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of the precursor and then when we moved home um and i and i went to davidson i basically started going to uh hardcore and punk shows in charlotte so davidson's like 20 minutes north of charlotte okay and so tremont music hall basically hung out there as much as i could when i could get a ride down there i didn't have a car at the time um so i was basically like bumming rides from anybody who would give me a ride down there okay um and that's where I got exposed to like between the buried and me back in the early days because oh, they were they were from Greensboro, which was like you know an hour and a half two hour drive away. So okay. they they played Charlotte like all the time. So I saw like between the buried and me another band called Code Seven. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I have uh, not. Uh, they were big on the local scene. Another band called Aria that was huge. Um, uh, I'm trying to think who else I would have seen there. I'm sure I probably saw Zayo at some point coming through. Who are they? <laughs> um, so that that was my first exposure to that music and and to that community. And so at the time, I was like really struggling with different parts of my faith and what I believed. Um, okay. And just dealing with a ton of questions and having grown up in these conservative southern churches i was often met my questions were often met with things like well the bible clearly says x y or z or scripture um definitively answers blah 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 um but it never answered my questions so i i I always had these questions about things um that i never felt like i could get answers to and so like what um I mean, it's going to sound really stupid now, but I mean, things like... Dude, everything you said up to this point sounds stupid. So <laughs> okay, cool. I'll just, no, it, just, yeah, I'll just... We'll keep it going. It'll be a theme. That's <laughs> it was a, an audio, that was an audio gif. I just threw that at you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that, be, that can be the title of the episode. Everything I've said up until now sounds stupid, and it will continue right. to sound stupid. Um, Jer- I was going to go with Jeremy is the stupidest place you can hide. There you go. That'll work. But you know, I like so that. far... Yeah. Um, No, just just things like so I grew up like, again, the conservative and I don't you know, 
I don't know how inside baseball we want to take this. I, I don't, I don't want to lose people by getting in too in the weeds into some I of this stuff. I don't care because okay. sometimes people hear this stuff and it it's interesting to them. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay. So, like, conservative Reformed churches is what I grew up in. Okay. Uh, con- conservative Presbyterian Reformed stuff. And one of the hallmarks, at least at the time, I—, I, I I since walked away from the denomination. I didn't walk away from my faith, but I just I got to the point where I was like, "There's too much here that I disagree with. Okay. Um, I need to find a sort of a faith spiritual home somewhere else." So peace. But during during my upbringing, like one of the big questions was uh, the role of men and women. Like so, I grew up with a church background that said only men can be pastors. Only men can be elders within the church, like sub, <laughs> basically sub-leaders underneath the pastor. Um, right. But it's totally cool for women to lead choir, to sing in the choir, to teach Sunday school, to serve, you know, on uh, all these different functions. But the leadership that's reserved for men. So, I, it was one of those things where I just was like, "What? how does this make sense? Like, <laughs> you're saying it's not okay for women to get up and preach and to teach. But it's totally okay for them to be forming the minds of the next generation of the church. Like, how yeah. how is this a legitimate art- argument theologically? And, you know, people would always point to certain texts within the New Testament. And, well, like, so that that's like a perfect sort of microcosm of these sorts of things that I was dealing with, dealing with where I was just like, it, it doesn't make sense and you're not giving me a satisfactory answer. Like I'm okay, okay with a certain amount of mystery and a certain amount of tension and faith. Like I'm more than okay with that. But when it comes to stuff like this, where you're potentially like disenfranchising half of the human population by how you're dealing with what they are or are not allowed to do within, you know, the body of, of faith, uh-huh. I, I have a big problem with that. Um, I hear you. So that led to me once I got to college, branching out and exploring. And one of the things, fortunately, I was able to find a, a, a church nearby that didn't hold to those things and that really focused a lot more on just loving people, like just taking care of people and being good to people and. Mm-hmm making sure that folks were okay, like just trying to represent sort of the love, <laughs> the love of Jesus as right. as gotcha. strange as that sounds. Right. Um, and, but then coupled with that, I found within the hardcore and the punk scene there in Charlotte, like just this place where it was okay to be uncertain of things. It was okay to question. It was okay to hold things in tension. Hmm. Um, and and yet you could still be in community with people like you weren't necessarily looked at as like uh, ostracized for yeah right yeah like it's mm-hmm. totally it's okay to wrestle with these things um so that's really where that stuff took root for me and basically as pathetic as it may sound i've i've essentially been trying to make music ever since then so this has been a long journey of just different being a part of different bands different failed projects and essentially just gutting it out knowing that i have got to i've got to make music and i want to make music um and just knowing that i had some things that i just had to get out creatively and so yeah it's taken wow really that's interesting that it's been bottled up for this long yeah 
Yeah. So, I, so as a kid, you did the typical like join a band, play bass, play shows, blah 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 blah. But it just never accumulated to anything. Or? Yeah, essentially, I. Um, okay. Yeah. So in college, we had like a little three piece band, and that's actually how I learned how to play bass, because all all three of us already knew how to play guitar and piano and stuff. And so it was like, well, if we're gonna do anything, uh, you, were one default, of, you were default guy, huh? Yeah. Well, and it was. Somebody down the hall had a bass, and I was like, well, I can play guitar. And I'm, you know, I'm sure everyone who focuses on one instrument over the other is cringing when I say this. But I was like, I, 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 I've got to be able to at least pick this up and figure something out within the next week or two before we had a gig. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, and honestly, part of it, too, was like it was it was a struggle for me to find once that that little thing sort of ended. And I, I tried to join in with some other uh folks on campus and basically got turned down like you know i was like hey i can play piano with you guys no that's cool thanks but you know we're we're there was like this little group that would meet and would play like every week for just for the campus community i was like a dude playing guitar and another guy playing violin i was like well what about piano and they're like nah cool we're good and then like fast forward a month a month or two and the next time i see them playing they've got some young kid playing piano for them i was like cool real cool great Um, sense of community thanks guys yeah um but then yeah when i graduated like i joined a a band for a small uh short amount of time in nashville um and so i was driving back and forth from charlotte to nashville which is like an eight hour drive Um, super cool dudes like awesome awesome band like i loved you know we played a couple of shows together in in nashville um it just never really gelled Me, me you know, doing what I was doing on keys and stuff never really fit 100% with what they were doing. But I stayed in touch with a couple of those guys in the years since. They're awesome. And then just did in they at least did they at least call you to let you know it wasn't working out? They didn't make you drive eight hours. Oh no, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, no. Aaron. So the guy who who um, was in that band, uh, it was kind of, he was a drummer and he was kind of like the band leader, the guy who who put the whole vision together um aaron ford like super super cool dude like i actually just saw him uh last year when i flew to durham for something else he's he's based out there now mm-hmm. um just awesome dude and super straight up and i mean he you know he just shot straight with me when when that discussion came up we just chatted on the phone he's like you know hey don't know how you're feeling like it's been cool getting to know you and, and have you in the band but uh you know, we don't we don't really feel like it's probably the best fit. And I was like, that's cool. You know, at the time, I was like, I I understand. And so we parted ways on good terms. And I've been in touch with him over the years ever since. So that's uh, the best. That's great, isn't it? I yeah, that. yeah. And he's dude. He's such a cool guy. Like he um he's played uh he's he's gone out on tours with different bands. Like he drummed for Copeland on one of their tours recently. Um, mm. He he played with um the Trail of Dead for a while. Uh, yeah he he used to be he was in a band called i think blue tip um back and i think they were on discord back in the day so aaron's aaron's been around aaron's like a just a killer guy um so um and then yeah i mean then after that it just turned into like okay i'm gonna let's try to do this project with these guys um in charlotte and you know, one band I was in, we recorded a couple things, and my buddy did a um, a documentary for the Whosoever's, uh, that group with like POD and like Brian Head Welch from Corn. Mm-hmm. It's like their little 
their little sort of um, culture initiative or whatever you want to call it. They did a, uh, they commissioned my buddy Kevin, who's a filmmaker, uh, to do a documentary on Chi from Deftones when Chi was still alive. Okay. Um, and he, he reached out to us as we were starting up as a band. I was like, dudes, you know, I've got this thing going on. I'd love to have you guys write and record some stuff and include it in the documentary. Um, so we did that and got some stuff in the documentary. And then a short time after that, um, life just got too crazy for the other two guys in the band and we just had to call it quits. Sure. So, um, then I was in another project where, yeah, things just, uh, we were playing together for a little while and things seemed like they were going well. And then my, one of the guys in the band was just dealing with a lot of drugs and depression and some other really heavy stuff. So that fell apart and yeah so it was just one of those things where i was like really like every single time (laughs) (laughs) well yeah yeah well so yeah well but here you are and and yeah and now the whole reason that the whole reason that i'm talking to you is because you you kind of you you um you did something that I kind of always wished that I could do. I, I've always just played drums. I never bothered learning how to play guitar. I could play like the intro to two Nirvana songs. That's about it. Nice. And uh, yeah, not really. And I, I, I can't really, uh, I can't really say that I've really been um, had enough gumption, so to speak, to use a southern term. Nice. Uh, I never had. Yeah, I never had enough to like decide to grab the bull by the horns and be the songwriter or something like that. I was always yeah. the additive, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you kind of you kind of took this bull by the horns and decided to like build everything from the bottom up. And you're yeah. you're, you're pronounce the name of the band for me once. Koheleth. You're Koheleth from the bottom up, except yeah. that you called it a drummer, right? Yeah. And, well, and and an artist. So it's a it's kind of a three piece, but only two of us play music, and then we have um, my cousin handling all the art and the visual presence of the band. This has definitely got visual presence, and it has it has other aspects to it than just a plain old boring band. It's just another <laughs> thing, just another thing on Bandcamp that put out a new thing on Tuesday. Yeah, thanks, but man. but this this kind of all started as a college project for you, correct? Yeah. So um, yeah, it's kind of a couple of things dovetailing. So the long and the short of all of that that I just shared was uh, basically I got to kind of a breaking point where I was just like nothing is working uh i can't get any traction with anybody and because up until this point i'd never wanted to i had never seen myself as like the solo guy and or even like the band leader i was like i just want to play with people like i just love playing let me just find some people that i can do that with Mm -hmm. and then we'll go from there so before we even moved out to california i had basically reached a breaking point of like all right screw it i'm i don't know what it's going to take but i'm just going to write something and do it on my own bring in people when i need help but i've got to get something out like i've got to i've got to start something and finish it and have something to show for it um Mm -hmm. so that then dovetails into our decision to move to california so i can go back to school so i applied to fuller seminary with the end goal of hopefully eventually teaching basically making a complete career shift from what i'm doing currently uh 
one of the things that drew us to Fuller was they have a very vibrant arts community, arts center as part of the school. Like it's 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 grown into the school itself. It's not like an add-on. Like it's it's called the Brem Center, um, and I knew of it primarily through the work they did in filmmaking, um, and of course being out here in California and you know in L.A. Hollywood, it's a perfect location for them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I came out. And, and the, the goal was work towards this degree, work on the concentration within the degree known as theology and art or theology and the arts. Um, and so for the capstone project, which is what I just finished up, uh, I decided, okay, I'm at a, I'm, it's basically do or die time. Like it's time to put all the cards on the table. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna form a band. We're going to record an album and that's going to be. my thesis project like it just it has to happen (laughs) Mm. um and so yeah that's basically where coheleth uh basically um coalesced i guess you could say i mean it it came together and uh yeah so what is a coheleth why why the name why such a unique name well as you know finding band names that haven't already been taken is extremely hard (laughs) true um and then coupled, so, you know, I just dug around. I was like, oh, huh, this is interesting. This has not been used for a band name yet. Um, so the origin comes from the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. Um, and I guess in the original, I don't, I don't read and or write or speak Hebrew. So I'm going off of, you know, what I've been able to research on it. Um uh, Kohe- the the book of Ecclesiastes in the original language in original Hebrews is literally the book of Koheleth, um, and hmm. so and so Koheleth is has is also kind of has this identity as the the narrator of the book of Ecclesiastes, um, and it's that that's my favorite book of the entire Bible, mm-hmm. um. And Koheleth also includes this meaning, uh, this layer of meaning of the the teacher or the, the one who assembles. So this idea of assembly of putting together, um, and w- you know, kind of with this underlying goal of trying to understand and trying to piece things together. So on multiple levels, I was just like, this this just fits. Like as a band, as an identity, I want part of what we're trying to accomplish to be this sort of assembly and disassembly like going back to that thread of questioning um i feel like part of the hope behind questioning even if you never arrive at a concrete answer is the process of putting and putting pulling things apart and putting them back together again to 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 try to just understand okay Um, and so yeah that's uh, on various levels it just it just fit and it worked and um so that's that's the idea and the, the rationale behind the name it's an interesting name I, I had no idea didn't know any of that yeah what about um the fact that you uh you said you're kind of doing you're going back to school for seminary to do to do a, like a complete shift yeah um, what do you shift? What are you shifting towards? Like, like to get to get. I, I think the end the end game to get something from seminary is is to teach, become a uh, yeah. priest, pastor, leader, whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Where are you going? Where are you going with this? <laughs> well, it's um, some of it's selfish. Um, you know, I've been doing digital communications and web work for years. Um, specifically, I've been doing social media like management work for like the past seven years, and and some of it's been good. Some of it's been you know meh. Um, right before we left, I was working for a healthcare system, um, and that's based in the Southeast managing their social media. And it was such a, um, frenzied job that I felt like I was sort of literally like losing my own personal identity in it. And I was also losing time with my family just to keep my job going. I mean, it was the sort of thing where I was the only guy handling it. And so they expected me to essentially be logged into social media as close to around the clock as, as humanly possible. Uh, yeah. um, and so part of it was just this discussion with April, my wife and I just were like, I, you know, like I can't keep doing this. Like this is just not sustainable. Um, along with uh, the consideration of, you know, like one of the most important things in my life is, you know, her, my relationship with her and my relationship with my kids. And if I'm spending most of my time away from them simply to provide a living for them, like what kind of, I don't, if there's a way for me to change that up, I want to try. And so that was, that's what led to this discussion of like, you know, she basically just looked at me one day and she was like, I think you'd be a great teacher. She's like, I think you ought to go consider going back to school to get, you know, whatever advanced degrees you need to, to be able to be a teacher and to, and part of that, to be able to teach at a high enough level where I can then sustain my family. Cause obviously we know that teachers are some of the most undervalued people in our entire, in our country and in our entire sure. you know system. So, um, so yeah, that, that's a big part of what led us to Fuller was, okay, if I go and get the master's degree, what will that allow us to do? Um, how can I start transitioning? And then partway through the time here realizing like, Oh, shit i need to probably also go for a phd <laughs> yeah right uh so yeah that that's that's a big a big piece of it um and then just on a personal level uh, uh, uh i guess a different personal level just the opportunity to delve deeper into what i say i've believed most of my life and to mm -hmm. really again poke and prod at it and question and, uh, and evaluate and reevaluate and and just continue digging basically so i feel like i've been on i feel like i've been on about a two and a half year journey of um kind of shedding shedding my skin as far as what i had always come up to to say that i believed in yeah because because i had a another another friend of mine who is also a believer he told me he said basically like you know what your problem is you you keep saying that you believe in things and he says he said you need to you need to really decipher mm. the difference between what you say you believe in and what you've just accepted yeah yeah and, and that hit me with that hit me like such a brick you know like dunk up up across the back of the head that yep. I started run I started running everything through that filter. Yeah. And like and like I got I got to admit man barely any of it's holding up. Yeah. Like I really I really honestly feel where it's like well yeah we've I've always believed no I've just always accepted that as the yeah. truth but now now that I'm thinking about it I don't believe it. I don't believe that at all. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
and and it, you know it doesn't. It, I mean, I don't know. A lot of criticism comes from from the peanut gallery with the whole like, well, this is backslid, and you're not. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, I'm not a. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that sort of lingo. I mean, I just. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. No, and yeah, I think. Um, you know, I think for me, what has changed is, you know, I grew up in a background that said, essentially, it's Jesus and all of this other stuff. Like, th- it's got to be Jesus and all of this other stuff uh, in terms of what it means to be, you know, a Christian or to be saved or, again, you know, whatever sort of lingo you want to use there. Mm-hmm. Um, and through not just my time at Fuller, I mean, I think I was... I was moving in this direction before we got out here, but certainly my time at Fuller has helped this along. I feel like the core of what I what I think I, or the core of what I say I believe and what I do believe has maybe solidified, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of the gray area and sort of the trappings that go along that that tends to at least in American Christianity, that tends to be shoveled in. Okay. A lot, a lot of that for me has fallen by the wayside, mm. um, and so that's been that's that's been sort of how, what my journey recently has looked like. Is just, gosh, you know what? I don't have to hold on to this anymore because I really don't know what I think about it, and that's okay. It's okay. Wow, and you're going to seminary. Like I assume, like you think, you think from ground level, from the ten thousand foot view, that people who are going to seminary are getting the answers. You're going in there with the questions, and you're walking out with, ah, I got the equation now. Let me write it on this chalkboard for you. <laughs> and 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 you're and you're finding more and more every every time you're turning rocks over. You're like, ah, nope, I don't have one there either. You know, and yeah, that's interesting to me. Well, and you know, one of the biggest thing, one of my biggest takeaways right now. Um, if I had to sum it up, and we may have talked about this before online, you know, on Twitter or something, I don't know. I've, I feel like I've shared this with a couple of folks. I'm walking away, hopefully, with a much greater sense of um, humility about and perspective about my faith mm-hmm. um, because I've gained a better understanding of the history of it and because I've gained a better sense, hopefully, of where where we've come from as sort of a faith group and um the good and the really awful things about our history and so part of that is has freed me up to say you know if you dig into some of the early christian writers and some of the early church stuff maybe not a hundred percent but there's a lot of similarity between what they were wrestling with and what we continue to wrestle with today. Mm-hmm. Like, and to tie it in with the whole Ecclesiastes thing, there's nothing new under the sun. Like the questions that we're dealing with today. That's not a, that's Led Zeppelin. That's not the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The, yeah. First, first Zeppelin. This is starting to sound like a teaching, t- a teaching, uh, like a sermon or something. I had oh, to throw gosh, some, no. I had I, to throw some funny in there. I hope not. No, that's not what my intention at all. But, yeah, so that, so that, <laughs> that's my big, you know, that's at this moment, you know, on, on the verge of graduation, you know, next week. That, that's my big takeaway is like, like, look, I'm not here to save anybody. Like, that was something I learned a long time ago. I was like, it's not my job to save anyone. 
like fortunately if i believe what i believe i believe that god moves and will can and will draw people to himself to herself um so so that allows me that whole realization when that hit me because you know growing up again growing up in the south it's like oh you got to witness you got to tell people you got to get people saved like you got to you got to get people into church and get you know get get some some of that good old time religion <laughs> like I, I came to a point i was like why am i stressing about this like i'm not the one if i believe what i say i believe about like jesus and god and the holy spirit and all this other stuff like it's not my job to get people saved like I just need to walk as humbly as I can, love people as best I can, and uh and 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 let essentially let God let take, the Lord work in them. Yeah. Just let God take care of it. And so that coupled with now what I've learned been learning at seminary, I'm like Holy hell, there's a ton of stuff that we've fought over, over over the like if Christian like just even simple things like if if Christians today knew how much the early church fought over or maybe not even fought, maybe that's the wrong word, debated, argued, discussed amongst themselves which books of the Bible ended up in the in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need to be a lot more humble about like well the bible clearly says this well no i mean yes there are certain things i feel like you can kind of put a stake in the ground on with certain parts of scripture but you need to know that like revelation almost didn't make it into the bible at one point like the book of the book of esther was up for debate like there are things about even just the formation of our faith that were flawed and broken because they were worked through the flesh and bones of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just stuff like that, I'll get off my soapbox, but I mean, you know, so that it's just stuff like that. I'm like, y'all, we, everyone who claims to be a Christian just needs to take a huge deep breath, relax for a bit and start focusing on some core maybe fundamentals some things we can all agree on and let let's mm-hmm. ease up on all the other gray gray area stuff so anyway i'm sorry i went off on a tangent but no it's cool I, it's fine no problem i just i i feel bad that there's nowhere to pass the offering plate around no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well my paypal address is shut up <laughs> Your PayPal address is go to Bandcamp and buy the buy the uh, buy the record. Dang That's it. right. That's right. So yeah, so let's there you go. let's let's talk about this album again. Let's, okay. Who the hell is Horace? <laughs> oh jeez. What that- is going on with this 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 guy who started his his own band that he plays everything except the drums? Yeah. Has has like action figures and like what what are you doing what are you up to with this all right so um so when my cousin so caden withy is is uh my cousin he's a visual artist for the band when he and i were talking about like you know different ideas different themes um and he's like a like when i say he's a he's a painter he's like a like a fine art guy i mean like he knows his stuff about art theory and has painted for years. And when I saw some of his stuff, I was like, 
dude, if you're down with this, and I explain kind of the concept and the vision of the band to him, it's like, if you're down with this, I want you to be like our in-house artist. Like, mm. I, I want you to be, and the example I used, and this is going to sound so pretentious on my part, just because we're such a, you know, rinky-dink little band, but it, what I had in mind was a sort of, like, Aaron Turner with Isis or Josh Graham with Neurosis sort of thing where you just have a consistent visual identity thanks to somebody in the band having that sort of talent and skill that they can, you know, take that and run with it over the course of like several albums or over the course of like a band's entire discography sort of thing. Right. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. So that was the idea with Caden. And so we started sitting down and just chatting, you know, cause he's, he's on the East coast and Mike, uh, our drummer is also on the East coast. So we're just doing all this by email and, mm-hmm. and, and phone calls and stuff. Um, so we get into sort of the heavier elements of the, 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 the project and that sort of thing. And one of the topics was, okay, you know, we'll need a band logo. So, you know, think about that. We'll need the artwork, but then, would it be kind of cool if we had like some sort of a band mascot, some sort of like quick, easy way, you know, almost sort of like iconography. And we're tossing around these ideas. And I, at first I'm thinking more like serious stuff, like different, like animal representations. And I don't know why I did it, but I had this dumbass marshmallow, flaming marshmallow sketch that I had made years ago when I was bored in a work meeting and I sent it, I, I sent it to him on a whim, and he was like, "This this visual artist that knows what he's talking about." And you sent him something that you scribbled on the back of a napkin yeah. while you were bored. Yeah, I good. was like, "Dude, good, good dude. move." Yeah, yeah. Well, because I didn't think he would take it seriously. Like that was my thing. I was like, oh, "I've got like some some dumb you know sketches. Let me just send them to you, and you can you, <laughs> you can make you take it seriously." I'm no. looking at your Bandcamp page. There's T-shirts for fifteen bucks. There's yeah. minifigures. <laughs> So we, to work. Yeah, so we had this conversation and his whole thing was he was like, dude, like I did not expect this reaction from him. he's like, dude, that is perfect. <laughs> he said that's exactly what I want to use. And I was like, You are you have got to be kidding me. And he said, No, it's gonna be perfect. Because his whole thing, he was like, It's a perfect juxtaposition of like high and low art. Gotcha. He's like, it's this perfect sort of collision. And I think in his mind, he, he thought, like, th- the thematic stuff that we were talking about, like, conceptually behind the music, uh, would be juxtaposed with sort of like this raw noise, noise rock, garage rock type vibe. I think he was genuinely thinking, like, this is a way to represent it visually, like this scribbling, essentially, character on top of, you know, these paintings that he worked hours and hours and hours on. So that that's where that came from. And my, you know, Mike, our drummer, we were chatting about it. He's like, I think his name should be Horace. And I was like, all right, that's as good a name as anything else. Let's go with it. Wow. Just the fact that you let the drummer talk and put in anything creatively is, is, is already showing that you're not a skilled band leader. What are you letting the drummer talk for? What's wrong with you? Clearly yeah. you're new at this. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a total noob. So, yeah, so that, that's where that came from. And, Horace. um, and the, the figure thing, I just, um, did, do you, how old are you? Are you 41? Okay. I'm, I'll be 38 in September. So we're, we're close enough. Do you remember the muscle men figures? Do you remember those? I do. 
So I had some of those growing up, those little dumb minifigures. Um, when we moved out here, I discovered, like, I thought I'd gotten rid of them. Like, I discovered one in, like, one of our boxes. And so I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, I remember this guy and started carrying him around in my pocket, just <laughs> um, like you do. And then I started, for whatever reason, I don't know how I stumbled onto this, but there's, like, this whole subculture of, like, minifigure collectors, like, people that like will go on ebay and buy these things in lots and then i discover huh. like oh holy crap they're like custom toy makers now who are creating their own figures and their own sculpts um and some of it's based on like japanese uh japanese uh toys and japanese like toy making culture um so yeah, and well, in in Pasadena, so the Fuller is located in Pasadena. So every year in Pasadena, there's this thing called Designer Con, and it's where all these different artists come together. And there, a lot of them are are like toy makers, like they make uh, rubber toys, vinyl toys, um, like the pop dolls. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They'll sell those. Um, it's it's basically like this crazy kind of cool random subculture of people making like cool prints and posters and toys essentially and so i stumbled wow. into this and started like collecting some of this stuff and so when we were putting together the idea um for koheleth and like we know we can't play shows we can't afford vinyl like we're doing everything you know very sort of diy as we're pulling you know funds together and mm -hmm. <clears throat> and i didn't want to go like the kickstarter route not to knock that i love you know i've supported a lot of bands through kickstarter and indiegogo that sort of stuff but i was like I, we're we're a brand new band nobody's going to know who we are i, I don't want to ask people for money um right. so i was like what else can we do that could be kind of different and you know quirky and fun and and so that probably would have flopped anyway to go to be to be an unknown on Kickstarter. I mean, oh yeah, I mean we man, would have had to have asked. For you're maybe flooded like, with people that you do know and that you have heard of from Kickstarter asking yeah. for money. Like good yeah. luck out there in that ocean. You know? Yeah, I mean at that point we would have had to put a goal of like maybe five hundred dollars and hope that like our, <laughs> right. our our families chipped in like two fifty a piece. Like right, so know. that so that one of those two hundred and fifty dollar donations can go straight back to Kickstarter. <laughs> Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, just long story short, like the whole Horus thing was like, well, we got this, we got this, you know, goofy uh, character now that's sort of our that's that's our, our band mascot. Like, what if we could turn him into a minifigure? So I reached out to a couple of guys in the toy making community and said, hey, hey, can you help us put this together? And they did. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. So it's fun. More I got a couple more things to ask you about. Uh, I find that I find the title to be a little bit uh to be a little uh disjointing. God okay. is the warmest place to hide. Yeah. What's where are you going with that? Well, number one, good. I'm glad because I'm hoping that some of this is sort of disconcerting. Um, so on the surface level, that's a straight homage to uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. If we've got any surprises for each other. I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Do. Why don't we just 
wait here for a little while. See what happens. So, I don't know if you're a big John Carpenter fan or if you've ever seen The Thing. I've seen The Thing, but I don't know enough to quote it. Okay. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I think mm-hmm. I think Carpenter is a... I mean, he's getting more acclaimed now, but I think he's, for a number of years, he was highly underrated um, just mm-hmm. because he primarily did, like, genre movies and sort of, like, B-level budget-type movies, but, like, high-concept stuff. Okay. Um, one of the taglines for the thing, uh, when it was in theaters, and you'll you'll see this on posters and, and promotional materials, is man is the warmest place to hide. Um, and obviously, in the context of the film, it's the idea that you know this alien comes from outer space, right? And the the terror of the movie is once it in, infiltrates um, a human host, it takes on that person's likeness and appearance and is hiding in plain sight dude you're the title of this album just became genius <laughs> that is a really good idea man that's really yeah. cool so yeah. so the it's, Id- it's so tongue-in-cheek and it's so backhanded now i love that yeah so that that's really where what so it was one of those things i'm giving I'm, you a plus i'm giving you a plus one for sarcasm thank you i appreciate yeah, you're that. welcome yep. yeah so so when i had the idea for it I you know I was like oh cool like this will be my my little tip of the hat to one of my favorite filmmakers and one of the greatest movies ever, and then I started digging into it a little bit more and thought about the themes that I already knew I wanted to explore in the album. And I was like, oh shit, this actually really works. <laughs> right. It was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I I actually like this. Like th- this, I accidentally this fell into something that works. How about yeah. That? So yeah. Curious about why the vocals are the way that they are i'm actually i'm actually a little um uh disappointed isn't the word because music is art and you put it out there the way that you want it out there but i think this has some deep conceptual things that i would really be interested in understanding where the band is coming from and what you're singing about Mm -hmm. and the vocals are almost purposely overdriven that you can't understand what's going on yeah where, why the conscious decision to do that? Um, probably a couple of different things. Um, part of it's the the genre that we're playing in. I mean, just the noise rock uh, genre. If you listen to not not all of the bands, I mean, there are certainly ones on the spectrum of like uh, Bark Market and the Jesus Lizard, where the the vocals are a lot more clear. But then there are others. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Park Chimp. They're from England. Um, yeah, did a split with Torch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you listen to some of their stuff, not all of it, the vocals are buried more so than some of these other bands. Um, another one of my personal favorites, a band out of Charlotte called uh, Power Takeoff. Never uh, heard of them. Okay. They're, they're amazing. Uh, they're actually going to be doing a small run. I don't think it's happened yet. They're doing a small run uh, with Big Business uh, in the the Southeast coming up. Um, So if anybody who's listening is in like the, let's say, Virginia, I'm trying to remember the dates that they're on. Like, I think they're in like maybe Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and then Georgia. There's um, they'll be on that. So my buddy Gus is the bassist and lead singer for them. 
Um, and he was a huge help with this project. Um, just an amazing dude sent, actually sent me, just gave me a few guitar pedals that he wasn't using anymore. Cause he knew I was, he knew I was working on this. Um, he, he approaches his vocals kind of similarly. So there was an aesthetic there in terms of the genre that was part of it. Um, okay. another piece of it, if I'm just being really honest and transparent, I have never sung on anything. Um, Part of it was just me going in and essentially yelling my my lungs out in my garage and being uncertain of everything that I was doing vocally. Okay. So there's a part of that that this... I don't want to say it masks it because I'm really happy with how they turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's a part of it where, yeah, they're, they're probably a little bit more buried... Uh, in the mix than if I were super confident about my skills as a vocalist. Right. I, I might have been like, no, let's push it a little bit more. But when, so Mike, our drummer, also mixed the album. Um, oh. So he's done some mixing before. Um, and so when I sent him the vocals and he turned them around and, and mixed them, like I heard it and I was like, oh, like it was what I had, it's kind of what I had heard in my head. I, like I, it was, it was exactly what I was looking for. So we, we approached all of the music, the music and the vocals as like, Hey, we want to, we want this to be blown out right. and, and to sound just insane as, as, as much as possible. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the other part of it too is part of me just hopes like, I, I don't want to be willfully obtuse, but I hope that if somebody does get into this, enough that they'll want to do a little bit of digging like a lot of my favorite bands end up leaving certain things sort of mysterious or unexplained i like that Uh, okay and so that's another piece of it like you know we didn't have the money for the for the cassettes and not the cassettes the cds to come with lyric full lyric booklets but anybody Mm -hmm. that buys a cd will automatically get a download of the album and the digital download of the album has uh, a booklet with all of the lyrics in it. And I think there all the, li- and I think the lyrics are also on all on Bandcamp. So if you go like song by song, track by track, you right. can see the lyrics. So yeah, that was just, you know, kind of a third piece of it of like, Hey, you know, if you, if you dig this, if this catches your ear, um, you know, here's another way that you can sort of dig in and engage with the music on another, on another level. So, it was mixed by your drummer. You had this mastered by Jesse Sprinkle. He's had his fingers in, I mean, dozens upon dozens of Tooth and Nail releases. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. How did how'd you how'd you fall in with him? Uh, through through Mike. Uh, okay. So Mike used to. So Mike's in Charlotte right now. Um, Hi, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mike's Mike's an amazing dude and just one of my best friends. And so. Uh, he and his family moved up to Rochester, New York a few years back for a short short period of time. I think they were up there for maybe like two years total. Um, and he also actually used to run his own um, drum company, Avenue Drums. Wow, okay. Rest, wow. In, rest in peace. Um, amazing drums. He built drums for like the Chariot. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Dude, really? dude, yeah, dude's super talented. Like, I mean, like the drums he made were, were killer. And so he made, I don't remember if he made the, um, oh shoot, why am I drawing a blank on drum terms all of a sudden? 
uh, a snare. He made a he made a snare, um, either before he moved up to Rochester or when he was there. That somehow Jesse Sprinkle got a hold of, and okay. absolutely loved it. And so that's how their relationship and friendship started. Really? Uh, yeah. And so he and Jesse are friends. Um, he was in a band previous to Koheleth with another band with another friend, and they went into the studio with jesse and recorded with him and he did that album with them so when we were putting all this together mike was doing the mixing i was like okay you know again this is me being a noob not knowing exactly how all the whole process works you know i was like okay so once the mix is done what do we need to do blah 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 and he was like well we gotta make you know get it mastered and i was like well is that something you can do he said no not really i don't i don't really have the skill he said but let me reach out to jesse and see and so jesse was able to um, was incredibly gracious and kind to us um, and squeezed us in. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just night and day. I mean, like the mix was great. Um, it was exactly what we were looking for. But then when once Jesse got his hands on it and uh, worked his magic, we were we were thrilled with how it turned out. So nice, nice, yeah. nice. So working with him was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, so the con- let, let me tell you this, and then we can we can go from there. So the concept, the whole flow of the album is is essentially trying to dig into why we why we use God and why we use faith as a justification for doing evil things to one another. So tying in with that, tie, that and that's that's the whole idea behind God is the warmest place to hide. Like we hide our evil in our justification and our understanding of God. Oh, wow. Like we, we hide these motives and, and camouflage them within like, Oh, well this is what the Bible tells us to do, or this is what my faith tells Man, us. Man, I was, I was looking for more of a clean vocal girlfriend song. You don't have any on here? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nope, not kidding. exactly. We, we can kidding. go with the 30 second interludes if you want those or the final track <laughs> that has no vocals whatsoever. Yeah, so the first the first like two three songs are outward focused, and then the the album shifts to, to inward. To basically like it goes from pointing the finger and being accusatory to saying like, if I'm honest, I'm also guilty of this. I'm just as guilty of uh, doing this as as the people I'm railing against. So it's it's meant to sort of take hopefully the listener on this journey of like. <sighs> You know, we're we're in this together. We got to figure out what what we're doing to each other and why we're doing such a terrible job with one another as humanity. Yeah, 
in our political climate now. The second song, uh, Brood of Vipers, is a reference to a lot of the evil that I've seen from Christian leaders over the years. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Advance of Inhumanity is just kind of like this. That's where the field recordings really came in strong because that whole out that whole song basically is just drums, my vocals, and then two different field recordings that I that I put together and mic mixed together. Um, and then it's yeah, at, at the hypocrisy in you is the hypocrisy in me where it's just this sort of like this exhaustion of like I'm I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry for what's what's come before. I'm sorry for what you know. My faith and my beliefs have often been justified to 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 do. bees is is actually based on a very specific uh experience i had actually tying in with the social media thing earlier with the healthcare system i just had this day um where i specifically almost had like this mental sort of out of body experience where i uh like i was i was trying to juggle so many different voices social media channels and inputs from my boss and other people where i literally was like i i don't have space within my own head to to exist um, right. and so that's really where that came from along with a quick shout out to one of my favorite authors Flannery O'Connor uh, at the tail end of that song so yeah so those are that's that's a kind of a quick overview of, of all of those but, heaviness uh, of presence yeah uh, yeah and then heaviness of presence is the, is the album closer and that was um, there's, no, there's no lyrics in that one right? no that's lyrics a- yeah it was a piano piece that I wrote a few years back that I just felt fit with this project. Um, I think it, personally, I think it flowed really well as the album closer. And um, thematically, what was informing it was actually this um, Psalm 39. So everybody knows like Psalm 40, you know, because of U2. U2, yeah, sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> Psalm 39 is the one that comes before it. And as triumphant and hopeful as 40 is, 39 is uh, basically in the opposite direction. A little, des- a little bit more desolate, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's David basically calling out to God and saying, I, I, I've, I've done everything right. I've done everything that, I, that you've asked. Um, I'm still being attacked on all sides. You're not helping me. Um, and it basically closes the idea of the heaviness of presence. The title comes from the, the sort of the very end of the psalm where he essentially is like, can you, can you remove your gaze from me so that I can be happy for just a few more moments of my life? Like, can you, can you just take, can I somehow be out of your presence for just a moment so that I can enjoy what little time I have left? Jeez. Um, and it, yeah. And it's just this powerful, like, you know, and it going again, going back to like Ecclesiastes and stuff, like there's all this stuff I feel like that's in these ancient texts that gets glossed over. So part of what I wanted to try to do in little bits and pieces throughout this was just try to uncover some of that and and give it a a place to sort of breathe and have a space for expression. So, dude, I'm so proud of you and what you guys have done here with oh, the. Dude with the artistic vision behind it and everything it's just it's just more than a record man it's thank you it's uh it's art to listen to and i really wanted to push this out there not just you know like i said before i i you know i've worked i've worked hard to make this podcast something that people are trying to listen to and i don't just want to bring my friends on here for the sake of hey man i have a friend and i'm bringing my podcast (laughs) like like you you actually made something just like 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 pet cow and boss did their split yeah i felt like yeah, I could bring Petcow on talk to him any time. He's a buddy of mine, and and Voss, I, I knew through the the Bandcamp thing. I, I yeah, I, I could talk to him too, but I want to put musically what you guys are doing out there for people to hear. Thank you, I really and, uh, appreciate that. I really, I really do love it, and uh, it's 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 cool that it's out there, man. And it's thanks. It's just, it's just hanging out there for you to stream, and it's on Bandcamp, and you can go listen to it right now. And I'm going to put the links for people to check it out. Sweet. And, uh, Man, Jeremy, I want to thank you for for coming on and talking about it. Man, I appreciate Dude, thank it. It's you. late. It's late for me anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you you West Coasters never go to bed because you're no. always just earlier than us. But uh, thank thank uh, thank April for letting me borrow you for a little yeah. while here. Yeah, of course. And your uh, and your your brood, you have <laughs> quite a handful of daughters there at the house. So. Yes, we do. Yes, you do. They're this amazing. dude has five girls. Man, buy a record. <laughs> five. <laughs> daughters go, go buy an album that's amazing and uh and mike great job on the drums and yeah. uh caden great job on the artwork yeah and i and i i gotta say i mean this would not have happened without them i mean i, I you know i know that my name has a lot of different instruments and stuff by it but it's this would not exist without them i mean th- th- it's truly a a collective effort so uh my hat is off to them and i'm so thankful for them that they you know joined in and helped me helped us bring it to life so dude this is gonna be great i i'm I'm really i'm really happy about this thank you i really i mean like uh, genuinely i i hope you you hear me i mean you didn't have to do this and right now we're just trying to spread the word as best we can on our own so i i this is huge i really appreciate it thank you
nice and clear. As the Story Grows is a part of Lavera Productions. High five. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at As the Story Grows and visit the site at asthestorygrows.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. Visit the Bandcamp link in the notes of this show for free cover songs, some free tunes, and merch. If you like what you heard and would like to help, there's a Patreon link on every episode. Or you can look for the dollar sign on the website for one-time donations. If you can't afford to donate, that's totally okay. Tell a friend, retweet me, and give me a good rating on iTunes. Send your guest requests and any feedback for the show to asthestorygrows at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening today. Take care. Bye-bye.